Welcome to the Home Inspector Marketing Podcast. Because you're a home inspector looking to increase your sales, improve your cash flow, and boost your bottom line, you are in the right place. For additional training resources on how you can grow your home inspection business, go to microreturns.com right now. And now, here's the podcast. Hi, this is Mike Crow, and I run a home inspection business. In fact, I've run a couple of home inspection businesses. The true joy for me, though, has been helping literally thousands of home inspectors build really solid home inspection businesses as well. We can help a single man operation be able to do over $300,000 a year, maybe all the way up to $400,000 a year as a single inspector operation. Even better for me is the 80 plus companies that we have helped be able to build million dollar home inspection businesses. I would like to help you be able to do the same thing. Hey guys, this is Mike Crow. We are back. Wow. I have to tell you, one of the things that I do every time before I do this podcast is I listen to the last one so I can kind of make sure that I've still got the feel, the jest, the flow, the stream of thought from one to the next. And I have to tell you, the last podcast was absolutely simply amazing. One of the things we've talked about so importantly was make sure you're setting your business up as a prototype and why that's important in doing some things. Now we are going into the third part of the book, the E-Myth. And the new version of that book, of course, is the E-Myth Revisited. I would absolutely go get that. Uh, I am still teaching you or sharing with you notes from the original book, the E-Myth, that I got years ago, probably about 20 years ago, actually more than that. And so that I can share with you the original thought process that helped me build a million dollar company and that I used as the cornerstone and I have used as the cornerstone to help over a hundred plus companies become million dollar companies as well. Uh, and it's very, very simple. Now in part three, Part three is about building a business that works because most people build a business that works only if they're there. Wouldn't it be great to be able to build a business that works even when you're not there? And, you know, I jokingly but lovingly say I only work about a half a day a week in my business. And, you know, I told that uh, from stage and about three or four hundred people where we were having a big get together with some of my friends and my son kind of choked and I went, what? And he went, well, it's more like half a day a month. And I went, you know what? I can fix that. <laughs> And he went, no, no, we're good. We really are. Uh, isn't it great, though, to be able to have a business where you don't have to be there every single day? Now, if you want to be there every single day, then great. Be there every single day. No problem with that. With that said, I would love for you, though, to be able to take a three-week vacation or a three-month vacation and go start exploring the world. My wife shared something with me today, and we are going through a point in our life where her mom is not doing very well. Her dad died uh, a little while back, and so her mom is going through this change in life. And one of the things they're doing to try to document her life is her mom is going through this series of surveys. And uh, I have worked very hard for me and my wife to enjoy life as we go. And so she's taking these surveys, and, and it says, have you done this? And her mom goes, nope, haven't done that. And have you done this? Nope, haven't done that. Have you been here? Nope, haven't done that. Have you been here? Nope, haven't been there. And my wife was thinking, and she told me today, and it just did my heart so much good. She said, I was answering yes to most of those questions. Yes, I've been to Africa. Yes, I've been to Japan. Yes, I've been to Australia and New Zealand. And you know what? I have worked very hard at building a business so that we could have an incredible life. 
That's what I want you to have is an incredible life. Let's make your business boring. Let's make your life exciting. Now, the truth is, I I don't think my business is boring at all. I think my business is exciting, even though I don't spend that much time in it. Now, if I had to spend time here every single day, maybe I'd think it was boring. Or I'd probably be messing with things I shouldn't be messing with because we built incredible systems. So here's the big part, and this is chapter 10 in the book. It's called the business development process. And there's three parts to the business development process. Reading from the book here, its foundation is three distinct yet thoroughly integrated activities through which your business can pursue its natural evolution. Boy, a lot of big words in there, right? But we want to pursue the natural evolution of your business. So those three integrated activities are innovation, quantification, and orchestration. So let me say that again. The three parts that you're going to be considering and and working with every single time as you're building your business is innovation, quantification, and orchestration. And that's going to be a lot of what the rest of the book is going to be dealing with. But we're going to talk just about those parts so that you understand those words and how those words play into what we're going to be building down the road. So innovation is often, you know, people like to say, oh, well, innovation is creativity. Well, it could be. But as a Harvard professor once said or pointed out, the difference between creativity and innovation is the difference between thinking and getting things done. Okay, so creativity is thinking about, boy, wouldn't it be great if that were different? Innovation is making it different, getting it done. And that is one of the huge differences between me and the people that I work with is we get stuff done. And there are a lot of people that talk about getting stuff done and just talk and talk, and then don't do it. What I want you to know is we talk a lot around here, and then one of the greatest parts of that is that we actually go do it. And I wanna make sure that you understand that too. So innovation is not really just creativity. It's the thought process of doing something differently, but finishing it. And the other thing that uh, it says here is by recognizing that it is not the commodity that demands innovation, but the process by which it is sold. The franchiser aims his innovation energies at the way in which the business does business. All right, so let me explain that thought process to you. Your business, I don't care what you're in, is probably defined as a commodity. If you're a dentist, it's a commodity. If you're a grocery store, it's a commodity. If you're a home inspector, it's a commodity. If you're a CPA, it's a commodity. I don't care what kind of business you're in. There are so many other types of businesses out there that people can choose. And what I want you to understand is that they will choose you more frequently when you do business differently even though you're in the same business. So in our home inspection business here, where we did over 2.5 million last year, best year we've ever had. And that was during the, you know, the 2020 pandemic. And then this year we are beating last year. Okay. We beat January. We beat February. Even though we had an incredible ice storm in February, we still beat February. And the reason why we have such a strong following, it's not because we do great home inspections, which by the way, I think we do. It's because we do great home inspections with an expected process that people have gotten used to. And it's the process that you're going to put into place in your business. You're going to innovate the process that is going to make you different than everybody else. So where the business is the product, how the business interacts with the consumer is more important than what it sells. 
So just because you do home inspections or do roofing or you're a dentist or you're a chiropractor or you're a physical therapist or you're an accountant or whatever it is, no matter what you do, the product is less important than how you deliver that, okay? Innovation doesn't have to be, by the way, expensive. And I thought that's great to know. And I've been teaching this for years to people. In fact, we have a whole resource we call no, what do we call it? No money uh, or, or little money down. And I just totally screwed that up. So we'll get you the name of that resource if you want. And by the way, if you wanna reach out to us and ask questions, you can send an email to hello at coachblueprint.com. Hello at coachblueprint.com. But no money and, and low money marketing is one of the things that we put into place. And by the way, marketing, as far as I'm concerned, is part of the process of making your business different. What makes your business look different from everybody else out there? So where the business is the product, how the business interacts with the consumer is more important than what it sells. Innovation doesn't have to be extensive, but it does have to be effective. In fact, sometimes I tell people they want to be efficient and I tell them efficiency is great. And they go, yes, that means we get it done quicker and we can do more. But sometimes efficiency is not effective. Okay. And so for instance, as we go through our inspection process, we could do our inspection process so it'd be more efficient but it's not more effective. It doesn't give the consumer, it doesn't give our mavens, the people that refer us, it doesn't give them what they really want. And so we try to make sure that we are as efficient as possible, but we wanna make sure even maybe more important that we're as effective as possible, all right? And so innovations have required little more than sometimes the change of a few words, a gesture, the color of clothing. We talked a lot about color in the last uh, podcast. So you'll want to probably go listen to that. So it starts diving into the three parts in the innovation. So for instance, instead of asking, you know, may I help you when somebody walks into your place of business, you might ask, have you been here before? Because that question invokes a conversation. If you walk into a store, one of the things you almost always say is they say, may I help you? Now, in a, in a way, I, I kind of like that because, man, if I want something, I go, yes, I, I want a toaster, you know, that, that puts out Mickey Mouse bread, <laughs> okay? And they go, I'm sorry, we don't carry that. Well, then I'm good. I'm done. I don't need any more help, all right? And if they go, well, we have three kinds, you know? Wonderful. Show me where those are. Here's the thought process, though. In most cases, when people get asked that question, may I help you? They go, no, I'm just looking. And now the conversation has died. And so it has been tested and innovated in a number of segments with uh, businesses. Instead of saying, may I help you? You know, have you been in here before? Because have you been in here before creates that opportunity for a much more in-depth discussion. So I think it's kind of a cool thing along that ways. All right. So here's another thing that uh, I tried in the very beginning. And he's talking about a salesperson here. He says, but let's do a six-week test. And I love doing tests to see which is more effective. Now, in this particular case, I knew what the answer was before we did the test. And we didn't do the test because I knew. I have tested it in other ways before. So this, this question is, what color do you wear at work? And if you think about it, doctors wear white. Why is that? Oh, there's a very good reason, okay? My inspectors wear blue with a touch of red on it. There's a very good reason for that. And I talked about that in the last podcast. So it talks about here, if, if you're a salesperson, for the first three weeks, wear a brown suit with a nice starch tan shirt, a brown tie for men, and well-polished brown shoes, and then make sure all the elements of your suit are clean and well-pressed. 
All right. So that's the first three weeks. Test that and see how your sales go. And then he said for the second three weeks, wear a navy blue suit, three piece for men, uh, two piece for women, uh, a good starched white shirt, a tie with red in it, a pen, a scarf or a necklace with red in it for women, and then highly polished black shoes. Well, here's what we already know. This has been tested over and over and over again. And the blue suit wins hands down. Sales go up. So I teach a lot of different things. For instance, I have nine secrets to scheduling more inspections on every single phone call. Every single one of those have gone through this kind of a test and every single one of those has increased our kill ratio or how many calls that actually turn into home inspections each and every time. And it's important that you understand that. So we innovate. And like he said here in the beginning was, it doesn't have to be expensive. It could be a few words, a gesture, the color of clothing. All right. So going on with the thought on innovation, apply this to your business. You and your salespeople could make a point of touching each customer. If you touch somebody at some point and, you know, I'm going to tell you that you immediately gain a different level of communication with someone. So it's not unusual to, you know, to shake hands with someone, to touch their elbow at some point, to touch them on the shoulder at some point. My dad one point came to me and said, son, during every one of these, we need to make sure that we, we touch people on the shoulder or the elbow or whatever. And I will tell you, for instance, when I'm speaking to a group of people that I have discovered that if I go down and, and mingle with the audience and I lay a hand on somebody's shoulder, the whole presentation gets better. Why? I don't know. And I'm going to tell you something very important. We don't care. As long as we know it gives us a certain result. And yes, at some points I could tell you why, but some of it might be guesswork. The most important part is that it works. So here's one of the things that, that I want you to think about. Innovation is the heart. Innovation is the heart of every successful business. So you want to ask yourselves these questions. What is standing in the way of my customer getting what he wants from my business? Now, this is really important. Let me say this. I'm going to say it a little bit lighter. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it a little bit slower. This is one of those you want to write down into your three ring binder and you want to be answering this question every single day. Because I will tell you, I've answered this question a hundred times. And it's one of the reasons our company is so successful. What is standing in the way? of my customer getting what he wants from my business. And there's so many answers, just a few off the top of my head. Well, it might be that someone doesn't answer the phone, which is, you know, over 50% of the home inspection companies out there. It might be that, you know, I called a company the other day and they said our office hours are from eight to five and lunch is from one to two. And please call back if you've called during hours where we don't answer the phone. And I'm thinking, well, I'll call somebody else, <laughs> okay? And one of the things that I try to make sure our people do is answer the phones. In fact, I say AATP. It was a very simple acronym that I created to just make this one simple point. Always answer the phone. And I still call companies today, big companies in some cases, and I still go to voicemail. And I'm thinking, how do you even stay in business with such a basic thing? So what is standing in the way of my customer getting what he wants from my business? And it's always, it always takes the customer's point of view. At the same time, innovation simplifies your business to its critical essentials. 
It simplifies your business to the critical essentials. It should make things easier in your business. Otherwise, it's not innovation, it's complication. Actually answering the phone instead of having it go to voicemail and then you picking it up and then trying to call them back and maybe you reach them and maybe you don't. Think about it. Answering the phone is actually simplification. All right. And so it's a very, very simple question along that way. All right. Number two, the second part of this whole thing is quantification. Now, this is incredibly important. See, innovation by itself leads you nowhere. I mean, you could innovate and innovate and innovate and innovate and innovate. However, it needs to be quantified. All right. So without quantification, how would you know whether the innovation actually worked? So one of the things we do, for instance, is we have kill ratio. We know that if 10 people call, we schedule this many inspections. And by the way, in the inspection world, unless you're chasing people off, you're going to schedule five out of 10 automatically, automatically. Okay. Because people already know you, love you, that are referring you. And I will tell you that once you start marketing, it's important to be able to make sure that you're maximizing every single phone call. So we measure that, we quantify that, and we wanna be able to schedule seven, eight, nine out of every 10 calls. And here's the other thing that you're gonna find out is that people lie to themselves about the numbers. Oh yeah, I schedule nine out of 10 calls. But when we measure it, no, they don't. They just thought they did because, you know, they might schedule three or four that day out of four calls. They might schedule three or four the next day out of four calls. And so before you know it, it's really like seven out of 10. It's because they don't schedule, you know, 10 every day. They just, they miss one out of that. And they, they start thinking, oh, I only miss one. And they, they lie to themselves. So it's important to make sure that you are quantifying it, but make sure that you're being honest with yourself. So how would you know that wearing that blue suit, you know, was was better for you. Well, you do it because you know of the responses that you have, the impact it has on your sales. And it's the same thing with the answering of the phone calls or setting appointments or scheduling presentations or whatever it is that you want to quantify. How many something of people buy? Do they buy 10 or do they buy 100? All right. And so it's very important. So ask yourself this, and this goes along with those nine things that I mentioned that will help you schedule more inspections. And by the way, I'm sure I have that list somewhere and maybe at some point I will go over that list with you. It's very simple, very straightforward. Uh, and we'll probably turn it into an audio for this podcast and for other venues as well. With each one of those, each one of those increased the number of inspections we schedule. So ask yourself, if you could increase sales 10% by doing something as simple as saying something slightly different, wearing a different color, would you do it? And you know, it's funny thing is every now and then people go, no. Nah. And I think, okay, you are not the person I want to work with. <laughs> okay. If I tell you that something as simple as answering the phones this way will get you a 10% boost and you go, nah, I don't want to do that. I'm thinking, all right, that's, that's very interesting. So what you're really saying is you like where you're at and you want to stay where you're at the rest of your life. All right. And of course the truth is that's rarely true but sometimes people just have a challenge changing what they're doing. So here's the thought is, why would you do it? What would be so important that would make it important? What does it need to be to make it important for you to wanna to change that? And a lot of times the answer is as obvious as the question on your face. You know, when I tell people, hey, if you answer the phone, if you always answer the phone, your sales are gonna increase by 20%. 
compared to if you let it go to voicemail and you call back. And they go, really? It's that simple? Yes. If you put a backup call center in place, your sales are going to go up probably 10%. If you offer this at the time on the phones, the dollars per inspection are probably going to go up by at least 10%. So it's these things that make all these differences. And when I ask people, would you be willing to do that? They go, yeah, sure I would. In fact, one of the funniest things that when I told people in the past about these nine things, they would go, man, I am doing six out of nine of these, but these other three, I am going to start doing like tomorrow. And I went, booyah. All right, let's get that done. So you have to ask yourself some questions to help make sure you're quantifying the right things. How many sales opportunities do we have each day? Each day, how many times do you give a quote on a home inspection? And if you're not giving a quote, then maybe we don't call that. How many opportunities did you have to give a quote? I knew one company, for instance, they were going, oh, our kill ratio is like a 90%. But when we dug in, what we found was one of the first questions was, do you have availability tomorrow? No, I don't. And they go, okay, thank you very much. Well, that was a sales opportunity. But they took it as, well, we didn't have availability, so it was not a sales opportunity. So they didn't count it. You absolutely have to count it. If you don't count those, you don't realize you're missing that sales opportunity. So there's a lot of other things. And then how many do we schedule every day from those sales opportunities? I like to call that a kill ratio because with the kill ratio, that is the big part of determining whether we're doing it right or not. How many people call your business every day? How many people? calls, ask for a price, and how many want to purchase something? Now, I talked with somebody at lunch the other day, and I said, and they were going, man, I wish people would call me for something besides price. They call and they go, hey, what's your price? And I'm thinking to myself, really? Come on. You know, is price really the only thing you're interested in? And I meant, man, get off it. Of course, that's the only thing they ask. That's the only thing they know that they need to ask. And so what you need to understand is that people ask what they know. They don't know to ask, do you stand behind your work? Do you do this? Do you give me a report on site? Do you inspect for this and this and this? They don't know to ask those questions. So when somebody calls and says, hey, I need to get a price for a home inspection, we at my company, we are excited about that. And we don't go, oh my gosh, I wish they'd ask something besides price. No, we get that that's the only thing that they know to ask. In fact, what it tells us is that they have never been educated on what makes one inspection company different from other inspection companies. And what it tells us is there is a great opportunity here to make sure that they know that we do something special. You wouldn't know that though, unless you're quantifying everything. So are you scheduling six out of 10, seven out of 10? eight out of 10, nine out of 10. Do you schedule 10 out of 10? Now, here's something important that I talk about with on raising prices. If you really are scheduling nine out of 10 for over a two week period, your prices could be raised and you could make more money per inspection. You know, it's one of the strangest things because we are able to quantify this. One of the things that I've discovered that I share with my home inspectors is I discovered a formula for when to raise prices. Part of that formula is that if you're scheduling nine out of 10, really scheduling nine out of 10, like every week for two weeks, then your prices are too low. You really aren't challenging yourself to get to the maximum amount of money per inspection. 
And I have people go, well, I think this is a fair price. Well, yeah, of course it's a fair price. I have no problem if you want to charge, you know, $500 instead of $600. That's your choice. And if you feel absolutely comfortable with that, then that's wonderful. However, I will tell you that when you get $600 per inspection, you can do so much more for your client. And you can better serve your clients when you're getting paid what you really deserve to get paid. I, I study Walt Disney in this uh, area. And one of the things that I've learned from them is what is called price elasticity. But the only way you can grasp any of that is if you quantify, if you measure, you know, how many sales you're making out of every sales opportunity. All right, let's go on to number three, orchestration. Orchestration is the elimination of discretion or choice from the operating level of your business. So let me say that again, because it's a little complicated coming straight from the book here. Orchestration is the elimination of discretion or choice from the operating level of your business. Without it, nothing could be planned and nothing anticipated by you or your customer. And so again, that Harvard professor says this, discretion is the enemy of order, standardization, and quality. All right. So if a blue suit works, wear it every single time in front of your customer. Don't have the discretion of, oh, I think I'll wear brown today just because you feel like wearing brown today. No, you wear blue every single time because it maximizes everything that you're doing, okay? And if you orchestrate things, then you own it. If you orchestrate it, you own it. If you know that's what you're gonna do every single time you own it. And if you don't own it, you can't depend on it. And if you can't depend on it, you haven't got, you know, a prototype, something that can be duplicated over and over and over and over again. One of the reasons that we have 15 plus inspectors is because every single one of them is doing an orchestrated home inspection. Now, does that mean that it's exactly the same every time? Of course not. You know, I, I learned something just recently that I thought was great. One of the best rides at... Uh, Walt Disney World is the Jungle Cruise, and it is not scripted. However, they have certain things that they say every single time, and even with that said, they get a chance to elaborate and do other stuff as well. It's orchestrated, but it's not word for word every single time. If it was word for word every single time, people would get bored, but you never know what your driver is going to say when you're on that particular ride, so it's kind of a fun thing. Now, orchestration, though, is based on the absolutely quantifiable certainty that people will do only one thing predictably, and that's be unpredictable. <laughs> it sounds kind of uh, backwards a little bit, right? But, you know, we all talk about the only thing consistent is change. And so unpredictableness in people is one of the few things you can count on every single time. With that said, you want to make sure that you set it up in certain ways for it to have answers for those changes as much as possible. For your business to be predictable, your people must be. So I'll give you a few examples here real quick. At the beginning of our inspection, we have a 17-point, actually I think it's an 18-point now, introduction that we say every single time. If you listen to one of our inspector meetings, we go over that 17-point introduction every single meeting. Does all of our guys say it exactly the same? Of course not. We give them the freedom of how to say it, but we want to make sure that they're saying it every single time. And then, for instance, the routine on the inspection. Do we know where we start, what we do next, 
Absolutely. The inspection is an orchestration of service. And so that our people know what is expected for them to do next. And so it's very important. And orchestration, therefore, is the glue that holds you fast to your customer's perceptions. And so if we pull up in our van that's all lettered up and our guy gets out in our uniform with the blue shirt with a touch of red on it, blue pants and and black shoes, uh, and we pull out the same toolbox every single time and we walk up to the house every single time and we introduce ourselves exactly the same way or at least very, very close to the same way every single time, that is orchestration. And then we go through the inspection we, that has been orche, you know, orchestrated as well. And then we go through the report with them, which has been orchestrated as well. Everything is predictable. So orchestration is the glue that holds you fast to your customer's perceptions. It's also the number one thing that makes you referable. Not only referable to for the agents to say to home buyers, but also for agents to refer you to other agents as well. It is the order and the logic behind man's craving for reason. So let me say this. Men, women, human nature has a craving for something to make sense and to feel logical. And when you orchestrate something, you can feel that. And and you'll know exactly what I'm saying. If I were to start humming a few bars of something, you would know how it's going to how it's going to end because you've heard it many, many times and therefore you have an orchestrated feeling and even rhythm towards that process. And if a real estate agent sees one of our inspections five times, they are going to be able to say, oh yeah, next he's going to do such and such. And it's very predictable, all right? So people have a craving for that kind of reason. And it's as simple as doing what you do, all right? Saying what you say and looking like you look, being how you are for as long as that works. So the whole process that we have in our business, our service business, is that we start here, we do this next, we do this next, we do this next, we do that next. And again, if somebody saw it five times, they would go, oh yeah, they start here, they always arrive 30 minutes early, Uh, they go through the introduction, then they do this, and then they do this, then they do this, and so they know what we're going to do. And at some point, if you're ready to start hiring other people, This is one of the most important things is that you've got to figure out what that orchestration is. Otherwise, everybody kind of wings it and you lose some of that predictableness and you lose some of that referability. All right. And, you know, if you're doing something and all of a sudden it doesn't work anymore, then you change it. Main electrical panels used to be like in the closets, like all the time, 30 years ago when I was inspecting. Now they're in the garage most of the time. So at a certain point, we changed our routine, you know, so that we could basically take that into consideration. And if something doesn't work anymore, then you simply change it. You change the routine. However, you change it so that it stays predictable each and every time. Now, I want to say this very carefully. Think about innovation quantification, orchestration. In fact, write those three words down somewhere. Innovation, quantification, orchestration. This is something that you are working on all the time. And we talk about putting two hours on your calendar for focus time. And during that focus time, what I want you to try to do is build something in your business. I call them stackables so that you can 
have this kind of predictableness in your business and so that you can measure something and so that you can put innovations into your business completely different than everybody else. Everything from simple business cards that we do differently than everybody else out there to brochures, to putting a candy bowl in an office, to doing presentations at the office, to scheduling the inspection when they call. I mean, see, each and every one of these is we have innovated and then we quantified it. And then we orchestrated it so that we know we're going to have a predictable experience for the, the mavens or our referral base and for our home buyers or our clients each and every time. So once you've innovated, quantified, and orchestrated something into your business, then you must continue to take a look at it and make sure that it is doing the best it possibly can. And that's one of the big things every single time you want to try to make sure you know, is this the best way possible? And if somebody goes, hey, Mike, I think we should say this, then we do. And I'll give you a perfect example. Just a couple of years ago, somebody would call and we say, hi, my name is so-and-so. Thank you for calling Text Inspect. How may I help you? And somebody suggested, try this. How may I serve you? And we tried it and it was better. So now we say every single time, hi, this is Mike. Thank you for calling Text Inspect. How may I serve you? So we're always innovating always looking at how things work. But we knew it worked better because we quantified it as well. And then we orchestrate it so that it happens over and over and over again. You know, if you think about it, the world is moving as it does, will not tolerate something that stays the same all the time. The world demands that you change and be flexible and be fluid in how to improve upon it all the time or it will go away. It's just a silly example. You know, years ago, uh, a long time ago, we used to have wooden ships, right? My dad used, was in the Navy, used to say, yeah, back during wooden ships and iron men, <laughs> okay? And now it's more like iron ships and iron men, okay? And so the thing is though, everything continually improves in one way or another. And those people that make those innovations, they are the ones that own or dominate that part of the uh, the process or the business in that case. And you know, if you stay stationary, it's gonna collide with things that are being new out there. All right, so let me wrap this up with innovation, quantification and orchestration are the backbone of every extraordinary business. They are the essence of your business development plan. They are the essence of your business plan. So think innovation, Think quantification, think orchestration as we're working through all the pieces that we're getting ready to go into. So the next time we'll be going into your your business development program, and we're just going to outline the different parts that you need to have in your business. In fact, let's just talk about that real quick because it's kind of a short piece here. Chapter 11, to imagine somebody will walk through your business door with the intention of buying your business. Why would they want to buy your business? If you are the only person in that business, that's very unlikely that they're gonna to wanna to buy it unless uh, you have something very special in it and it would be a system or a process instead of you. One of the reasons I was able to sell my first business for over a million dollars was because I had all these systems in place and because I didn't have to be there every single day. So imagine your smile you know, as they walk inside and let, well, let me show you how it works. And what you're gonna be showing them is the innovation, the quantification, the orchestration of what you do. 
okay? Knowing that, by the way, it works not only for you, but it works for every single person that knows how to run a business or has any sense about it. But it will work better than any business that person has ever seen. So imagine yourself taking the potential buyer through your business, explaining each component and how it works with every other component. How you've innovated systems, solutions to people problems, how you've quantified the results of those innovations, and how you've orchestrated the innovations so that they produce the same results every single time. Now, I'm going to tell you a secret. The first business I built, I built this way with the thought process, if I wanted to sell it, I could, thinking I would never sell it. And then somebody made me an offer because we had innovated it, we had quantified it, we had orchestrated it to such a point that they absolutely wanted that business so that they could do it with a hundred of their companies. And they did. They took a lot of things that we did and they built it into what they did. Today, I have the business not because I want to sell it this way, but because I want a prototype where I can show you how to do it in your business. I want you to be able to come walk through the business with us. I want you to be able to see how we answer the phone. I want you to be able to see how we walk in and out of a real estate office. I want you to see how we do Facebook Lives or online Big Bang marketing, as we call it. I want you to be able to see all of that. So the reason I built the business the way it is now for two reasons. One, I work half a day a week, or my son might say half a day a month in the business, okay? And uh, that works really well for me, and I get paid really well for it. The second part is I built it that way so we could show it to other people, not necessarily to a buyer, but to somebody else that wants to duplicate it, wants to grow their business that way. And so that's been a, a pretty cool thing. So here's parts of your business development program we're going to be talking about starting with the next call. We're going to talk about your primary aim. We're going to talk about your strategic objective. We're going to talk about your organizational strategy, your management strategy, your people strategy, your marketing strategy. And that's like one of my all-time favorite and I think is most important. And I will tell you, I don't care if you're a dentist or if you're a chiropractor or if you're a home inspector or a roofer or whatever it is. You're not in that business. You're in the business of marketing that business. So you're not in the home inspection business. You're in the business of marketing a home inspection company. You're not a dentist. You're in the business of marketing a dental practice. You're not a, a CPA. You're in the business of marketing a CPA practice, all right? And it's so important that you get that. So that's one of my favorites, and we'll talk about that. And then the last one is your system strategy. And I want to remind you that there's three parts that I try to teach to people that I've learned over my 30 plus years uh, of running and building uh, and helping 100 plus people build million dollar companies. And that is one, that we build the systems. In other words, we're building the orchestra, okay? We build the systems and then we put the people in place to run the systems. And then we put the resources in place to back up the people and to make sure that the systems are running. So we will pick up with chapter 12, your primary aim, the next time we get together. In the meantime, I want you to understand, be successful and be around those that are successful. Because if you can walk through a company that's already doing it right, you're going to be able to do it so much easier, so much faster and get it right the first time, hopefully, instead of having to go through trial and error, which by the way, that's kind of what me and my dad did. My dad and I built this company on trial and error. However, every chance we got to go see another company do something that we thought was doing it right, we'd go, whoa, look at that. Let's put that into our business. 
You will see that a hundred times in our business because we've taken over a hundred times where we go, look at how they say, uh, may I serve you instead of how they say, may I help you? And we incorporated that into our business. That's just a really small example. Now imagine a hundred examples from very simple to much more complicated ones that help make our business a million dollar business. In fact, one of the things that I discovered along the way was that there are formulas to all this. The formula for a million dollar business is six plus two B plus one. So six plus two, the number two, the letter B plus one. And I'll explain that formula more to you down the road. You probably already, uh, if you've been hanging around me long, you probably know what that means. Then there's a formula for people that want to grow what I call Ironman businesses. So you're the only inspector, but you still want to have a business. And so that formula is 1A plus 1B plus 1. And that company, those companies with that formula will do somewhere between 300 and 400,000 a year. It's up to you which kind of business you want to build. And it's perfectly fine, whichever you want to build. I just want to make sure that as you build it, it's systematized and it has people helping you run it and that it's pulling in the resources and so that you have the resources to put back in the business to build it differently. All right. Well, that's pretty much it. Again, if you'd like some information from us, send an email to hello at coachblueprint.com. If you'd like that nine secrets to scheduling more inspections, we'll send that in and just put nine secrets into the email. And uh, I'm going to work with our, our folks here and make sure that we have that available to you in one way or another so that we can we can work on that. Who knows? Maybe we'll even do a webinar or a question and answer on it at some point. And of course, I do questions and answers like once every uh, couple of weeks. If you send in an email, then we'll invite you to that as well. This is Mike Crow, the founder of Home Inspector Marketing, the father of Home Inspector Marketing. And I just want to tell you, thank you for being here today. Talk with you again soon. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. And as a friendly reminder, if you're looking to increase your sales, improve your cash flow, and boost your bottom line as a home inspector, go to microreturns.com right now.